It's Monday, August 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, and from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Ruckerman. Thanks for being here, gents. Thanks for the invitation. And welcome back. Yeah. As you were both traveling outside the United States. Canada. All the way back from Canada. No, no. Taylor was. I wish. Taylor was in Portugal. And you were over in the UK, and we will get to that. We will get to both of those in a moment, uh, but we'll also talk about Amazon's latest fight that they have started and whether or not there is wisdom there. But let's start with second quarter results for Priceline. Revenue north of $2 billion, profits up 32%. Uh, the stock, however, only up slightly because of the guidance that they offered for the current quarter this seems like yet another company that has been putting up great results for a long time, and now the expectations, I don't want to say the expectations are insane, Bill, but the expectations are certainly higher for Priceline. Yeah, uh, growing the top line at uh, 20-some percent-ish uh, it does have very, very uh, high expectations embedded in it. Um, and as you say, the guidance uh, was was something that uh, made the stock weak a little bit for the morning. It's it's up. It's up today. It's up a couple of percentage points. It's up a couple of percentage points. Uh, it, it's remarkable how fast this thing has been able to continue to grow. That part of that is organic, and part of that is acquisitions of of some other brands that uh, are are not as well known as the Priceline. Uh, but it does come. It, it's a time when some of the growth stocks are having a harder time going higher and higher and higher, uh, just because uh, growth expectations are a little bit more tempered. A lot of things had such good years uh, stock-wise last year that uh, it's not surprising to even come up with what looks like a very good quarter uh, here today and find that the market was expecting or nearly expecting that much uh, to begin with. The phrase that leaps to mind is a phrase that I find uh, somewhat humorous, and that's flight to quality. We hear that from talking heads from time to time, where it's like, oh, you know, now we're going to see a flight to quality, as though there are moments when investors are constantly looking for, I don't know, non quality investments. But it, uh, you know. I can remember some of those times. Well, I mean, yes. Can't you? (laughs) Yes. Well, I don't even look at it so much as um, investing in pets.com. Just to pick on them once again, uh, was people consciously saying, "Yeah, I want a stock that's just with a terrible business." I look at that more as, "Well, let's just take a flyer on this. This may work out, and if it does, great." But yeah, when you look at the business of Pets.com, there was very little quality there, other than the URL. If you can secure the URL, Pets.com, that's you know that's a good move. What's going on there now? I don't even know. Does it redirect to like GoDaddy or something like that? Let's you you got a computer. You pull that up. Um, but take all, over, Taylor. Uh, I'll try my best. All kidding, I'm pretty interested. I'm going to peek over at your computer. All kidding aside, though, it does seem like, to Bill's point about growth stocks and sort of the first half of 2014, Priceline is just an incredibly strong business. And guidance aside, it is showing no sign of any kind of material weakness. Yeah, it's growing at nearly 10x the tourism industry. I saw it from the World Travel and Tourism Council. 2013 visitor exports was spending internationally by travelers was up 3.9% in 2013. And they're expecting only 4% this year. And you see Priceline up 34% on total booking. So clearly doing better than the industry. Um, International tourism is growing in the emerging markets. You look at domestic here in the U.S., only about 10%. So 
three times that internationally um, is what you're seeing out of Priceline. And so they're following suit with the industry trends, but they're doing it to a much greater extent. And now they're growing in the restaurant space with open table closing in this quarter, not not standing pat with just flights and rental cars and hotels. Now moving into restaurants, it's a total concierge service if you are traveling uh, domestically or abroad. When you look at the stock, though, it's up about 35% over the last year. There's, I, I can't imagine anyone looks at this stock and says, oh, yeah, this is this is a value stock. I mean, it's obviously not a value stock, but... but is it has it now moved into the category bill where if you're buying priceline today and you think well this this is a strong business and they are going to keep growing do you have to lengthen your time horizon do you have to look at this and say okay if i'm going to buy this i really need i i really shouldn't expect it to pop in the next 12 months i need to think about this in terms of well, i'm going to hold this for 3 to 5 years and i'm going to expect it to be a market beater over that time well, I hope nobody's buying things with an expectation or you know a reliance that they're going to pop uh, within a short period of time. I think that the stock at a PE of 34 does mean that you're going to find bumpier rides. That that good growth is embedded in the expectations of the company. Uh, it is producing good growth. It did again today. Uh, there are still high growth expectations embedded into. Uh, PE multiple of mid 30s, and uh, when those come in uh, at at some level other than what was expected, even if you're getting growth of 20% where 24% was expected for the quarter, something like that, you're gonna you're gonna find a little choppiness. But you know, if you've got a company that's growing this fast in businesses that are as established at this point as uh, online travel services are, uh, I I think that you're not you're not too worried about what you know today the stock opened down a couple of percent it's up three percent at this point today it's a strong market day so you know it's a it's a good day for to to be in the news i think um i'm I'm, it's true it's not a value stock but this is not a crazy uh a price for something with uh, making as much money as this is did you find something at pets.com i did uh, PetSmart. PetSmart. Oh, okay. PetSmart. Smart Makes move sense. by PetSmart. Um, let's talk about Amazon's latest battle, and I, I want to give a little bit of setup because I think listeners may be aware of Amazon's battle with Hachette, which is the fourth largest book publisher in the United States. This has been going on for a few months, and they're negotiating over profit sharing. And while you may not be familiar with Hachette, you are almost certainly familiar with some of the authors that are represented there, and it's people like Stephen King and James Patterson and J.K. Rowling. And Amazon is doing what they have done pretty much consistently for 15 years, which is play hardball. They have stopped discounting Hachette titles. They have stopped taking pre-order sales uh, on Hachette books. And when you factor in that Amazon controls about 60% of the ebook market, they've kind of got Hachette right where they want them. Hachette is fighting back. They took out a two-page ad in the New York Times yesterday, signed by somewhere around 100 authors, basically, pleading with Amazon to sort of settle this uh, this dispute. And while this is going on, Amazon has now come out and appears to be firing the opening shot out of all companies, the Walt Disney Company, where They've got some of their summer blockbuster films, Captain America, The Winter uh, Winter Soldier, uh, Muppets Most Wanted, Maleficent, and 
those are DVDs and Blu-rays should be available for pre-order on Amazon because they're coming out. Certainly, Captain America is coming out in early September, and uh, and they're not. And I, neither Amazon nor Disney is really commenting on this, but I'm I'm curious. Uh, and Taylor, I'll just start with you. I'm curious what you thought when you first saw this news because. Uh, as a shareholder of both these companies, my first thought was, uh, Disney is no Hachette. Right. Like, right. you want to you want to try and strong arm uh, a publisher? Well, that's you know that's fine because you're Amazon. But Disney is first of all, Disney is a company every bit as large from a market cap standpoint as Amazon. They have their own media channels. They, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that this is just sort of the opening shot, but this is not going to be a pro- protracted and escalating fight. But what did you think when you first saw it? When I first saw it, I thought, hey, Amazon's going to win regardless. They're playing. Maybe they won't win on the pricing side, but whether or not this is their motive, they're still kind of defending the consumer, wanting lower prices. I don't think that's why they're doing it. Obviously, their margins are very thin, so they they want to, they want to put pressure on their suppliers to lower prices so that they don't have to themselves. But if Disney comes out and says, you know what, this isn't going to work. We're not going to lower prices, just like Hachette doesn't really want to lower prices. Then they look bad in the eyes of the consumer, whereas Amazon's like, we're fighting the good fight. We want to give you these books and movies at reasonable prices. Ebooks don't cost as much to produce. Funny that they're going back to the books where that's where they originally started, although now they're ebooks rather than the paperback that they were selling in the, at the beginning of the company's founding. But now Disney, I mean, you're going to have to see some give and take, I think, a little bit because. I read that a third of all home entertainment sales are now online, and you have to imagine that Amazon plays a significant part in that uh, in the United States. And Disney, while they do have their own media channels, without the pre-release of some of these the bigger names, they're not in the box office anymore, so the only way to keep making money on these is either through toys or DVD sales, and Amazon controls the bulk of that in the United States online. They do control the bulk of that, but I checked Disney's website before, and you can pre-order Captain America the Winter Soldier on Disney. But, but like, how many people are going to go to Disney? I think if you're a hardcore fan, yeah, yeah, you're if you're do a fanboy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple, couple points. Uh, first, uh, we're, this story is already dated. <laughs> is uh, it? You can order Captain America uh, pre-order right now wow. on Amazon, where I can. It may be you a got special that Prime Prime, right? I'm Prime, so prime. I mean, I could probably actually. Have... Do you have Platinum Prime? <laughs> no. No. Come on! I honest. just like the idea that, it, that at least one person listening was like, "Wait a minute, there's a Platinum." Prime? <laughs> um, Okay, so, so it's already done. So it's already done. They've already resolved it. They're they're back together. I don't know. You can you can order it online. Um, and and the other thing is, this uh, as far as this story went or goes or you know it may as again this may just be my platinum membership. <laughs> yes. I, you know I'm throwing in the face of everybody else out there who's you pay a hundred instead of yeah. I mean everybody else year. is only paying you know a couple hundred dollars for their prime membership. You know you just step up and pay a little <laughs> bit more like some of. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, all this applied to was like the pre-order. So for those who just couldn't wait to order it and get it overnight once it was released, you know, it was affecting your able your ability to pre-order, right? you know, or even earlier than that. So, so yeah. if, for those who, who just can't even wait until something is, is released to order it and get it delivered overnight, that that's the limited uh, uh, number of people that probably might the have people that are going to Disney site regardless, anyways. Uh, so I I think uh, you know Amazon's going to have a bunch of these with higher and higher profile 
people. Uh, I think that in the world of the, you know, there is no such thing as bad publicity. This is all just getting people talking about Amazon and and Disney again today. Uh, free advertising for both of them. Uh, I don't know. You're a conspiracy theorist. You got to figure they they just gin the whole thing up, right? What, <laughs> I mean, it's entirely possible. One of the things that struck me though when I was checking this online. This is obviously before, and I don't have the Platinum Prime like you do. <laughs> um, but I was struck by the fact that when I just typed in on Amazon, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier DVD, what came up was all of these similar type of movies that, uh, that I could have bought. And so it, it, what, what it reminded me of was that Amazon's ability to control the shopping experience and to very quickly get people thinking about, oh, you, well, we're not going to sell you that. In the same, and they've been doing the same thing with Hachette and their books and, and pushing other titles because they know through all of the data that they have collected that, oh, well, if you like James Patterson or you like Stephen King, well, there's a maybe, good chance that you're going to like these other authors and we're going to sell you these at an incredible maybe discount. Maybe the Harry Porter series for you. <laughs> Think there's a Harry Potter series? I, I it ought to be right. Only on platinum. <laughs> Last question on this topic: Jeff Bezos, Bob Iger, two very accomplished CEOs, very successful. Iger will be stepping down at some point in the next year or so, and yet that's where my mind quickly went when I read this story. That I thought, wow. I don't know who the head of Hachette Publishing is, but I'm pretty sure that person is not as determined as Jeff Bezos is. But when I looked at not just the comparable market caps of Amazon and the Walt Disney Company, but I just thought, ooh, if Jeff Bezos and Bob Iger get into a room together, just the two of them, and a fight breaks out, not a physical fight, but a, but an argument breaks out. But what out. if it's a physical? A managerial fight, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Bob Iger's a pretty big guy. I think. Jeff Bezos has Kiva robots, and, and Iger's got Mickey Mouse. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying they get to bring their you know their robotic uh, uh, underlords with them. I just I don't know. I was just what struck. are the best robots that Disney could bring to this? Uh, they don't have animated any drones, ones, right? Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Let's move on. Did you have a question? <laughs> there was one. <laughs> no, my my question was like if basically who who are you betting on to blink first in that situation, Bezos or, or Bob Iger? Iger. Just because his tenure is almost up? I think that uh, not because it's because it's not a blink thing for him, right? I mean, he, he's got uh, – Bezos has got a business model which is dependent upon accepting very, very low profits. And, and therefore, you know, he doesn't need to go and say, this is about you and your company, Disney. We're going to show you – uh, that we can take you down. It's it's we've we've got to we're relentlessly working on everything we can do to bring prices down. That's our business model. You get that, you know. You Disney have got, you know, you're relentlessly imagineering and whatever that means, and you know, creating things that people love. And it's just not the Disney model is not about bringing prices down, as anybody that's been to Disney World can tell you. Um, it's about creating an experience that is accessible to all. So I, I think that. You know, Disney can find a compatibility with, you know, being in the same ballpark as others, uh, despite its its size uh, in, in terms of, you know, what the pricing through Amazon would be without, you, you know, having to think that it's, it's being taken advantage of. 
Let's move on to your travel. Taylor, yep. you just got back from Portugal. You were on a pure vacation. Bill was doing some work while he was away. But I'm, I am curious because I, I can't believe that someone like you, uh, an analyst with your mind, would go on vacation and just completely shut down the business analysis portion of your brain. So I'm curious, what business takeaways... Um, You're no longer allowed to take vacations, no, that's Taylor, a, yeah. according to Chris. <laughs> we have I'm unlimited. Not to just go somewhere and no. enjoy yourself. No, I, I hope that everyone Be drunk does the whole that. time. Like, <laughs> There's you know. a little bit of that. They party till <laughs> 6 in the morning over there. But uh, w- w- there had to have been at least one business takeaway from your trip to Portugal. Well, I've thought about it multiple times traveling abroad, but even more so now that I work at The Fool um, for the last couple of years. Just the mindset of businesses and employees – outside of the United States, maybe not in the UK, I've never been, but I assume that the mindset is still very much the same as the US. Um, you know, Working that eight, eight to five, eight to six, however long it takes to get the job done, uh, not taking those two or three hour siestas in the middle of the day. But you talk about Carlos Sillem coming out with his three day work week, uh, supported by Richard Branson, all the talk about flexible hours across the United States. And I just don't think that, you know, it's going to take a generational shift for us to really take this on. Because even here at The Fool, we have unlimited vacation, flexible working hours, tons of great perks. But I don't think people take advantage of them. And that's what I mean that in a good way, um, that taking by taking advantage of them, going out and doing your own thing and, and working the way you want. But because the mindset just isn't here, it's been baked into the United States since its founding that you're going to work hard, you're going to do this and do that. So I think it's going to take, you know, at least a generation or two to try and if if we do end up continuing down this route on not a company by company basis, but on a countrywide basis, I think it's going to take not just my generation, but the next one to even remotely try to mold into that. I think we'll still be more productive than the Portuguese and the Spanish, but uh, (laughs) even if we do go that route, but I think it's going to take a long time, if ever. Bill, you were over in the UK for uh, work with Motley Fool Funds. You also had some time off with your family, but... Uh, whether it's from any of the meetings that you attended, uh, any of the companies you met with, or just uh, your experience vacationing, any takeaways? Uh, well, first, first, there was almost no vacation time on this. <laughs> I mean, uh, despite your insistence that I was there to just have fun with my family. Uh, but the thing that – you were here in the U.S. last last week, right? Yes. So there was a lot, a lot of coverage, I'm sure, here for the, the hugely significant historical anniversary um, that we just covered throughout the time, right, That over the last two weeks? The anniversary of? Very major historical event. All right. So it was the 100th anniversary of the beginning of World War One. Okay. Did, did that I hear get that any in the news? coverage at all? I here? did hear that in the news. Like it's it's like saturation over there because okay. it was a bigger deal. Not and a lot. Of, on the not front. a lot of coverage here. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was all the time um, over there, and uh, and rightly so, right? And I I think the difference in perspective on that, and also just I would say that applying that to today's market. As you look over a lot of the historical returns of markets and historical valuations um, and and why the market treated stocks in, in different ways at different times, one of the things uh, that is applicable is, you know, to what extent you think war is going to disrupt your economy. Uh, and, and that's very evident at the times that wars are going on or maybe about to go on. And I, I think even in, in our lifetimes, um, that that was a major feature in the sort of the 1980s when there it still was very conceivable that there would be a war with Russia uh, as as we were growing up um, 
and and it's really basically inconceivable now even in a time where there are wars going on that we're involved in it's still inconceivable that a a global serious war would happen with china with russia i mean we have our little economic spats but the the lack of fear of that whether you think it's justified or not uh i think is one of the things that that we find embedded in the price of, of stocks today perhaps rightly hopefully rightly you know the, the, as people struggle for why are stocks valued where they are today um i i think that you know in, in visiting england seeing just how disruptive world war one was um and and how much it still is remembered and how you know quickly the u.s forgets about lots of things i mean it's it's a country of what is happening now what is what is how bright does our future look you know is constant you know whereas you go to england and a lot of thought about the past as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against but don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's it for this edition of market fuller show is mixed by heather horton i'm chris hill thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow We'll